welcome to Gin and Topic. Woo! We are here for another series. Yep, another one. Just keeps happening. Just it keeps does. going. It does. And so we got loads of gins. Oh yeah, tons of gin. Tons of gin. Tons of experts. Yeah. Tons of topics. Well, and that's the thing, you see. Give us a gin. Talk to anyone. We will. Mm. We will talk to anyone about anything. So yeah, we're going to talk to a ton of people about loads of stuff over gin. And I'm going to make rude comments while we do it to stay on brand. <laughs> and you never know, we might actually learn some stuff. We might even remember stuff. <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Oh yeah. Hi. We can do another episode. Well, fuck me. I hadn't realised. It's I almost know. if we're sat here with the microphones. Do you know, we've been doing quite a few episodes. We and have. And we've still got a few more to go. Are we halfway through? We must be at series? least. Yes. At least. I think we must be halfway through the series. But anyway, still got loads more to go. And this week we're talking to Stephen Simmons. Oh, he sounds like he's got a Marvel character name. Because you know how they all have like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, could be. He's a biomedical researcher. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, currently investigating how blood vessels are involved in diseases such as heart failure and dementia. I can sense it's going to be a lovely light one today, Sarah. Uh, yeah, we're looking at heart failure. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, excellent. Um, and we're looking at what actually is the heart. And what happens to the heart to cause it to fail? Well, as somebody who's watched lots of Grey's Anatomy. But, hmm. Mm. You've got that look on your face that says, I'm not going to like this. Okay, well, no, you will like You You, warned me earlier. You might like it. So Stephen, who we're talking to, talking to him about heart failure and dementia. Yeah. um, He's based in Belgium. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And so oh, oh, do I hear a hark back to an earlier episode, oh, Sarah? Yes, series indeed. one, perhaps with the history of gin with Stephen and Sue. Top mark! Oh, well done, me. Okay, so you what? can find the episode on your podcast platform of choice, listeners. And what comes from Belgium? Gin originally, but it's not called, but it gin. Wasn't called gin. Geneva. Top mark. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I remember shit. So we have got some Geneva. Mm. And this Geneva is from... Oh, it's only 38%. A distillery called Filiers. Okay. And uh, this one is a five-year-old um, Geneva. And they've been producing um, Jennifer, Geneva and other... Um, spirits for a very, very long time. And this one is in a bottle, which is a glass bottle, but it's been made to look like an old stoneware yeah, bottle. Yeah. Um, which it I'm looks... a bit disappointed because I would have liked a stoneware bottle. Yeah, and it looks a bit <laughs> it looks a bit like something that like your nan would probably have in her living room. Well, and I think you know? because it is the original print of yeah, the stone bottle. Yeah, but it doesn't bottle, look legit because you can tell it's not a real stone bottle, so it does yeah, look a bit bit plasticky. Bit cheap. <gasps> probably wasn't cheap, but it looks a bit cheap. We're Sorry. a bit disappointed. Phileas would have liked the stone bottle. But hey, do better. <laughs> yeah, just for us. <laughs> um, so we are going to be drinking a Geneva and drinking Geneva, apparently... Oh, no. Oh, you're giving me that look. 
I'm giving that look because we don't have our usual glasses. Oh, See, Sarah there. now knows that if we're not doing a standard gin, she has to tell me, don't expect a gin and tonic tonight. No. And I go, okay. No juniperi goodness. Oh, those are the no little fancy glasses you get out when you have like <laughs> well, Christmas <laughs> special shit you know that stuff your parents bring out and they're like should we have a tipple at christmas okay. that's these these are not fancy glasses they are just wine tasting glasses which <laughs> now i'm saying it sounds yeah, fancy there you go um so but apparently you should be drinking them drinking a jennifer from a tulip glass and it should be full to the brim fuck off and you want me to drink a whole no chance and you should slurp it Oh, no, the AS... Mm. Okay, so we have got fillers. We have got little wine tasting glasses. I'm not going to fill them to the brim no. because that would be I'm probably going to take a sip and go, oh, no. I'm hoping I'm going to like it because I like whiskey and I apparently don't. that's what Geneva... I hate whiskey. Geneva. I don't know. That's, meant to that's be why like... we do gin and topic instead of whiskey and... Well, it wouldn't work. But then, we would it, did but... say back in series one yeah. that we would have to try it at some point. Yeah, and okay. as we have got someone from Belgium. Okay, okay, okay. It ought to be now. Should we let Stephen in? Yeah, go on then. Still scared. We need gin. Have you got some? I do. I have it here. Oh, okay. And I have the bottle in front of me for refills. Nice. Oh, you're brave. Now, <laughs> yours looks rather clear. Uh, no, I've added tonic to it. The The neat one is <gasps> is quite dark. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. so I'm being cruel and I'm I'm not allowing the tonic because uh, okay. typically we should have it neat. So I'm being really cruel I've to got Anya. the fear now, and the absolute fear. She, she won't want this at all because we like a juniperi gin and tonic. But we've got to try different <laughs> things. We do. Yes. Pour me some. I'm so, terrified. Tell me, uh, why are we drinking this? So uh, it's a spirit that's very common here in Belgium and uh, I don't know very much about it but I listened to your gin the gin version of your podcast yes. and uh, learned a bit about it uh, but I was uh, disappointed is the wrong word but they, uh, they everybody they, the expert whose name I, I keep forgetting kept saying ah oh, this is uh, very traditional in Holland and in the Netherlands and and it's also incredibly traditional in East in Belgium as well <laughs> uh, it comes from around here as well there's big brewing yeah distilling centers here and it's very very common in bars across the country and they have it here in so many different formats so the one we're drinking now is like the traditional format it's so golden yeah this this was it's got 1880 on the label which i assume was when it was sort of first (laughs) produced (laughs) anya's just taken a sniff so here we go oh i'm terrified Oh, that smells lovely. Oh. Ah. <laughs> it's quite something. Oh, it is quite whiskey-like. It's very like a whiskey, isn't it? Mm. Would you like some tonic added now? You've tasted it. You're, you're just, yeah, lost for words. It's not as 
bad as I thought it would be. So having had some gins neat. Yes. And now we're having the Jennifer, which is like the mother of gins. How does it compare? There's a hint of gininess to it. There's a hint. It's also quite like, that was a shocked face, basically. We're on a podcast, (laughs) that doesn't really work, but there's no words to describe it. It's just a bit... I think it's very buttery. It's very oh, malt-like no, like with it. a whiskey-like. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not for me. I'm a baby when it comes to alcohol. I like mixer. <laughs> right, go and get some tonic. <sighs> okay. I really like it. I quite like that neat. Uh, it's very nice. I, but I quite like whiskey. It's so very do like I. a whiskey. And I think this is a really nice buttery, um, golden whiskey-like drink. The the great thing is is Anya is not going to steal this bottle and take it off to uni, so I get left with it. Okay, so you're mixing it with Mediterranean tonic. What's the verdict now? Oh, now it's the just really sweet. Interesting. Try that. It's really really sweet when you mix it. It looks like a glass of prosecco. Yeah, I mean it's much nicer mixed, I think, but it's very sweet. Right. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. That changes amazingly. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. I'm a little lost for words because it has changed so much. It feels like I've just done something sciencey to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Try and put it into words for me, Sarah. So it has lost all of that whiskey kind of characteristics. Yeah. It is now, as you said, it is sweeter. It's um, still not ginny. It's not like a London dry. No. But... I don't mind that. No. At all. And I think over ice paired with orange. Oh. Could be quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you're thinking. But I'm going to stick to it neat because I rather like it. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, They're very different, aren't they? I really like the whiskey scents from the neat one. Uh, But I don't dislike it with tonic. I just have the uh, fever tree refreshingly light Mm -hmm. normal tonic. Um, yeah, and it's about the best you can get here. They don't, they they haven't got the fancy bourgeois gin revolution yet. <laughs> um, it's coming, but it's not quite here yet. Um, but it's very different. It's a bit too sweet for me with the tonic. Yeah. It's, um, I prefer a drier, yeah, a drier gin. Um, and it's interesting because neat, it isn't sweet. No, no not it's at not all. like no. some of the gin liqueurs that we've had no, that no. are sweet. It's only when you add the tonic that it becomes sweet. Then you go. What happened there? But that might be the high alcohol content mm. of it neat in comparison to some of the gin yeah, liqueurs true. that aren't so alcoholic. True. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> well, I'm going to enjoy this. You've got two glasses on the go, so you're yep. going to enjoy this. <laughs> I might be drinking onions as well. I'll be I'll be well be. behaved this episode is the hope now. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> they use it here. We should have got, uh, if you prefer the mixers, um, they use it here as a base for things. In the UK, we would have apple sours and, and raspberry sours. Here, they mix the base, uh, the zero-year-old one, uh, with all, all sorts of random flavours. Interesting. Uh, so uh, you have like waffle-flavoured Yeneva and it, it's like a euro a shot in all the bars I for the students. I didn't think that was something I needed to try, but now I'm planning a holiday oh, yeah. to go and get waffle flavoured. <laughs> How brilliant. Excellent. 
And I don't like sours, so maybe I'll find a new shot that's for me. <laughs> yeah, and as a base to a lot of cocktails. I bet it would be really, be really fun good. to that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so with this gin, we're drinking it as well because of where you are. And in my introduction, I've I've talked about the fact that you're a biomedical researcher, but I haven't said where you are because I don't know how to pronounce the university name. Yes, it's it's very confusing because it depends on what language you're speaking. Uh, Leuven is Leuven. Uh, See, I'd yeah. never have got that. <laughs> um, it's if you pronounce if you're speaking French, it's Louvain. Oh, uh, but confusingly, there's a city town 20 kilometers south of here which is called which is then in the french-speaking part of belgium which is called louvain le neuf <laughs> or louvain le neuf new Leuven. and oh. the train the trains go from the same platform and, and most people end up at the wrong one. Oh no brilliant oh that's excellent oh well i'm glad it wasn't just me as well then that yeah. makes yeah, me feel really good <laughs> um okay so we are talking heart failure um, yes. And with the question of what actually is the heart and what happens to the heart to cause it to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. Anya and I are now going to fail with how much we know <laughs> about the heart and causes of failure. Yes. You get to enjoy drinking your gin or Jennifer um, and have a listen to how oh much knowledge we have. Okay. Um. Right, so mm. what is the heart? I believe, and I may be very wrong, that at some point in a biology class, I'm not going to pretend I paid attention properly in those classes, we were told it was a muscle. So a muscle that pumps. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my immediate answer to what is a heart. And my answer would be an organ rather yeah. than a muscle, yeah. not the nicest sounding one yes but i established that much a vital organ that absolutely pumps blood around receiving deoxygenated blood oh well done blood without oxygen and then sending it sounded good even if it's not true you sounded smart then yeah and there are loads of valves know that because you're always hearing about Triple heart bypasses. I have no idea. Sounds I like roadworks to watch me. a lot of Grey's Anatomy, so I can go. Yes, there are. I know, but I have no idea how you do a heart bypass. I don't. Oh, there's no. some clamping involved. Yes, yes, I remember doing it with a minion in a science festival with your sister when she was younger. Of course, she and did. she had to give a heart bypass to a minion, and she had to clamp a tube on one side. This sounds like you were tripping. They had a big poster of a minion with loads of tubes sort of attached to it. How is this relating to to the question? Is this just you having a weird memory? I don't know, it was just a bypass with a minion. I just haven't remembered. What made the minion's heart fail? Um, The guys on the science fair stall. Good, yeah. Yeah, that Uh said it failed. Excellent. But I have no idea why a heart fails. Isn't it? Uh, don't they get Heartbreak. clogged up? I'm sure I heard that they'd proved that you could die of a broken heart. Die of a broken heart, oh, and your heart could be broken through a sudden loss, a sudden something. You know what? I think I had a mini little bit of that when Rose got stuck on the parallel planet in Doctor Who. <laughs> I think a little True. bit of my heart died then. True. Yeah. Um. Not to nerd out too clogging, early. But... Clogging of arteries. Clogging of arteries. Uh. Skeptic muscle like wastage. Scaling. Ooh. 
I I think there was an episode of Grey's Anatomy where the muscle wastage had been affecting the heart due to some other medical condition and that caused the heart to fail. Ooh. Don't quote me on that one. Again, it's pop culture. It's TV. It's probably not real. <laughs> but they do have medical researchers they on the do. team. So. They do. Okay. How bad so. was that? <laughs> no, that was pretty good. Yay! Um, I think it also highlights one of the main things uh, I like to talk about is that there is no one thing called heart failure or there is no one way of getting heart failure. There are so many different ways um, because the heart is just a spectacularly complex organ, uh, as, as you said, and, and, and pump. And uh, it's, it, it receives the deoxygenated blood Deoxygenated, that's a much easier word than what I tried to say. (laughs) I think yours was a bit closer to like washing powders that like take the stain out, but we won't go there. Uh, Yeah, and in in theory, its job seems quite simple. It takes the deoxygenated blood, it pumps it to the lungs, it brings it back to itself and it pumps it around the body. But to accomplish this, it's it's got to be enormously complex, right? Mm. Because it is a pump and it has to be on time and it has to be in rhythm and it has to get it exactly right and... And it's and it is a gigantic muscle, as you said. Uh, it's oh, you were the right majority too. of it is is muscle tissue. But uh, what's interesting, and it's another take home message, is it's not just muscle. So the heart itself, the wall, is is a complex sort of ecosystem of different cell types. Uh, so that the heart muscle is the key which causes the contraction mm-hmm. to create the force to to pump the blood around the body. But this is then fed by tiny little blood vessels uh, and there are uh, so it needs to feed itself it pumps blood around the body but it needs to receive blood otherwise it doesn't get the oxygen to pump just like any other muscle and these blood vessels are really key and so is it wrong then to think of the heart as a one thing it depends at what stage of medicine you're looking at for doctors it's perfect to think of it as one thing yeah. And then for researchers who are investigating the causes of, of disease, it's it's better to think of it more like, uh, well, an analogy would be a, be a house, say, and you can look at that. Uh, you could look at the house, and the builder would build the house, but the electrician might go, well, what's in the walls? Where are the wires? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and really take apart the walls and uh, find out what the constituent parts of it is. So it depends on what scale you want to look at. Yeah, uh, for it to function, it all needs to work as one thing. Yeah. Uh, and that itself is an entity, uh, uh, but within that there are tiny little niches and ecosystems and different spots. Uh, for example, in one very specific place uh, in the top uh, right-hand corner, it, there are a bunch of cells which send electrical pulses which coordinate the entire beating of the heart. Uh, this is called the sy- oh, I'm going to get this wrong. The sinoatrial node. And and when and let me clarify. When we're talking top right hand corner, am I looking at my body <laughs> from the outside, or am I looking out with it in me? Which top right hand corner? So when I took anatomy, this is super confusing, <laughs> and it's taken me ten or so, twelve years. How old am I? God, I'm really old. It's taken me like twelve years to learn this. Uh, it's the top right. From the perspective of the person whose heart it is. Okay. So okay. So there, in your she says pointing at a bit of her more boob that probably the isn't center right. than yeah yeah. So you're not looking armpit Wait. side. You're looking center side. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's the point of the person whose heart it is, and it's yes. top right. 
Yeah. And that spreads the electrical pulse evenly across the whole heart to cause the contraction uh, in the exact timing. And that area is very, very specialized and can be considered by some people as one thing. Mm. Ah. Uh, but it, it is an integral part of the heart and uh, is required for the heart to function. And does it have a name? The sinoatrial node. Sinoatrial. Simon. You're going to call it Simon. I'm going to call it Simon. <laughs> The, the sinoatrial node. Sinoatrial node. Simon. Like it. Or Simon for short. Yeah. Simon Good. for short. You can put that in any <laughs> medical research paper you like. Go ahead. It's fine. Well, I will try to. Don't worry. Excellent. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> so our Simon is like one of the most important things for reg- regulating time. Regulating time and heartbeat. And it works via electrical current. And that is. Uh, partly why when someone's heart stops uh, and you get the defib machine out, it puts an electrical current through them to try and restart the, uh, those cells to, to release this electrical current again correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets disorganized, uh, it, can just, it releases this current randomly or the, or, the, or the heart isn't responding to it in the correct time. And this is called, uh, ta- this can be well, it's called most, uh, a lot of different names, but... Um, uh, it's just when it's deregulated beating, mm. so it mm. doesn't beat in in the rhythm that we all expect. Mm. Um, and uh, by shocking it and giving it that impulse of electricity, you reset it. That's the goal, anyway. Yeah. And it causes it to to start contracting in in the correct time. To go, oh yeah, I remember what I meant to be and doing. That's when it grows. Oh, that's yeah. when they go. We've got a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so rhythm is that one of the causes of failure then because you were saying there isn't just one or is that the main cause that is then triggered by all sorts of different possibilities no so if we're being precisely technical which i don't like doing but uh heart <laughs> failure never is precisely never. Technical. <laughs> that's gonna work perfectly for us i mean we've just called a bit of the heart simon so i think it's an excellent thing to do <laughs> Heart failure is is really when the heart the heart muscle itself or the heart itself just is incapable of pumping enough blood mm-hmm. uh, around the body uh, to meet the body's needs, mm-hmm. and so it's it's actually not uh, a heart attack, uh, which uh, is what you described earlier with the bypass. Uh, and it's not even the it's not the same as when the when the electrical pulses are, are dysregulated. Although these things often lead to uh, mm. heart failure itself. Mm. Uh, so if the if the heart if the heart stops, the heart has failed. But that's not necessarily heart failure. Mm. Uh, heart failure is more a slow, temporal process that occurs over time in response to. Uh, well, there must be thousands of different stimuli that we we still don't really know, mm. um, and the obvious ones can include uh, things like well, a, a heart attack, which will cause major damage to. Mm. Uh, so, a, so a heart attack is just it would be a blockage of one of the blood vessels that feeds the heart, mm-hmm. and this stops the blood getting to the heart or a part of the heart. And it causes damage to that part of the heart because it doesn't have any oxygen and needs the oxygen to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, a way of treating that is with a bypass where, as you uh, correctly did with the minion, <laughs> you take a vein 
often from the patient's leg where you have many that you don't need and surgeons will just stitch it round the the blockage uh-huh. in the heart and uh a single a single coronary bypass is where they do it once and a quadruple is where they do it four times four times um, Oof. yeah to reconnect the flow like like very complicated plumbing very um, complicated plumbing yeah. Oh, it's made me feel a little bit like protect that yeah. heart. I'm suddenly like, yeah. oh. And so with that quadruple, it's not that they're just doing the same bypass again, again, again. It's because it's no. linking up all the different pipes that they might have to go Because there are four blockages. Different blockages. Or, yeah, exactly. <gasps> Damn. Wow. And so what causes yeah. those blockages? So those blockages uh, are caused uh, over time by a deposit of um, fatty tissue and buildup of fat in the, in the arteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they cause, uh, it, it's caused by yeah, sedentary lifestyle, uh, overeating, uh, smoking, too much alcohol. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we might all be a bit guilty of some of these things. Well, not certainly. Anya, because she doesn't um, really like this, Jennifer, so yeah. she'll be fine I'm today. just looking after my heart today, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, I went to the gym. I've wandered around town. I had a healthy lunch. So today is a healthy heart day. A heart healthy day. A heart healthy nice. And then tomorrow I'm going to go, <laughs> screw you, heart. Let's have a load of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a heart attack, but heart failure is more about the muscle wasting away over time. So the Grey's Anatomy episode that talked about that was right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You can learn a lot from TV. Yeah. And podcasts. Uh (laughs) So if you damage the heart, for example, with the heart attack, you obviously, the muscle that is damaged, even if you do manage to do a bypass and and the person is fine, Mm. that the muscle is still damaged and, and... you've lived so long with this amount of muscle in your heart. And if you've then damaged a large part of it, it doesn't mm. necessarily, mm. Um, it, it, the heart doesn't necessarily cope very well with this loss of 10% of its, its output. Mm. And it tries to compensate. Uh, and uh, it compensates in this case with a, with a heart attack. We understand it quite well. Mm. And it, it compensates by trying to fill it. It sort of fills the gap with uh, fibrotic tissue so the, the cells the, tissue is so the cells can't divide anymore they're not like uh young cells or stem cells which just divide over time yeah. the, the heart muscle cells the amount you you have is basically the amount that you have and so if you damage them you don't get any more right but the heart then recognizes uh ah that there's a problem and that we need to shore up this structurally and so it creates a big scar uh, is, is what happens. It just releases uh, these uh, proteins which normally mesh things together and, and work as structure for all the body's tissues. Mm. But uh, when, uh, when there's damage, the, the cells around go, quick, I'm going to fix the damage with these sticky proteins, mm. uh, which uh, work really well to, to stick these, to, to scar. They work mm-hmm. really well when they make a scar, but the problem if anyone has a scar, is that a scar it doesn't act as the same way as the mm. rest of the tissue around it, right? It looks a different color. It's a little bit stiffer. And when that scar's on your shin, I have loads from climbing and mountain biking accidents. When the scar's on your shin, it doesn't really matter because your shin isn't super mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when your your heart has to pump every... Yeah. This isn't... Yeah. 
I'm moving my hand as if this was on a video, but um, it's a podcast. But <laughs> I know we were earlier. There we it, go. Yeah. Podcast movement of hands. Uh, it, the heart has to pump, and suddenly part of it's much stiffer than it used to be. It obviously doesn't pump in the same way. Uh, and this stresses the heart even more, and, and then the heart cells uh, try to elongate or, or they get bigger, and, uh, and this causes even more damage eventually the heart constantly thinks it's trying to it's trying to do its best to just cope with the mm. changing situations but ultimately the, the the response that the body has is it leads to it's like a coping mechanism all, all coping mechanisms eventually if you stress them enough break and then mm. And, mm. and then and then it doesn't work anymore so the heart does its best but it mm. can't repair that damage so efficiently so it's a bit um, like going back to your house analogy it's like you've got a builder who's built the house and the plumber and the and the electrician everything who's produced this house for you and then i've maintained it myself for years <laughs> and years oh, and and you know we had a a leak but i fixed it with duct tape or the it's a very Nick Miller thing of you to do there, Sarah. <laughs> you, yeah, you're just running into would, New Girl with them shoving stuff down. Yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah. It would get to the point where the house just about, you know, like the porch fell down and I just propped it up with <laughs> some twigs. You know, it's not going to yeah. function really very well. With this. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I like it. And the poor house is really, really wanting to carry on, but no. I feel quite sorry for that heart. It's trying really hard. Is that when the professionals have to come in and get rid of the old house and put a new house in? Okay. So so that is often in the case of uh, when uh, there's been a big damaging event, mm. then yes. But that's more, is it, that's more like if someone's driven a truck through the front of your house, right. the professionals <laughs> will come in and, and put a new house in. Um if the heart gets to a point where it's so dilapidated and 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 failing, then the the final recourse is a heart transplant. Mm. Um, and for many heart failures, for, for heart failure itself, there are often very few treatment options. Yeah. So uh, there are two types of heart failure, um, and uh, broadly speaking, and one of them is an inability to. Uh, pump the right amount of blood around the body so the heart is just tired mm. and it doesn't contract as much and the other one which is uh, much less well understood actually is where the heart doesn't relax enough it's too stiff mm -hmm. and it doesn't fill up enough with blood and so it pumps normally the energy it puts out to pump is normal but it hasn't filled up the right amount of blood mm. And so it, the right amount of blood doesn't get around the body. Mm. And, and, this, and in both cases, you end up with not enough blood getting to the mm. rest of the body. And if this gets too, too serious, then the only course of action is, is, a, is a heart transplant. Mm. Uh, and so for those things, is that where you get the circulatory problems with, I'm just thinking, you know, what happens on the outside? What happens on the body side? If they're not producing, if it's not pumping enough blood is that when you get sort of fingers and toes that just don't have enough blood to them that they go white and yeah so uh you often get uh symptoms of heart failure there are often things like um uh, weirdly it's 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 not so much they go white but it's because the pressure changes uh 
fluid leaks into your tissue. So you often have things like uh, swollen legs mm-hmm. um, and uh, distended veins come down the neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's really uncommon in, in heart failure, it's, uh, so the, the obvious symptoms are things like shortness of breath uh, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where sometimes it wakes patients up. Mm-hmm. But what's quite uncommon in patients uh, with heart failure is uh, any form of heart pain. They tend not to mm. feel it. So patients with a heart attack uh, where there's severe damage to the heart feel a lot of pain, and that's the shooting pains down yeah. the arm and the copper in the mouth, and, and, and that's quite well known. But, but people with heart failure tend not to feel heart pain so much, but they're very, very tired. Mm. They uh, uh, often have uh, fluid leakage on, mm-hmm. in the peripheries, the swollen legs. Mm. And is that because of the gradual failure of the heart rather than the heart attack is a sudden change? Yeah, it's it's the gradual failure. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I'm not sure this is studied actually, but I think it's where the heart is attempting to compensate. So the heart and the body sort of, it's not so much It's not damage. a shock, yeah. Yeah, it's not so much damage or shock. It's just mm. wastage over time. So, so would that mean that the... The sort of older you are, are you more likely to have heart failure? Because we talk a lot about when you get older, your muscles do tend to waste. It's had a long time yeah, so, pumping. Yeah. So you're much more likely. So partly because the muscles are just weaker mm. and age is a big factor. Mm. And and what we do find, even in healthy aged populations, uh, they have uh, heart failure. Normally, specifically, the type of heart failure where the heart doesn't relax enough. Mm. Uh, so the the muscles just got stiffer and stiffer over time, uh, but equally a lot of the risk factors for heart fa- for heart failure uh, take a long time. So yeah. if you eat a fatty meal today, it's not going to be a problem. But if you eat fatty meals every day mm-hmm. for thirty years, mm-hmm. it becomes a problem. But by this point, you're probably already fifty odd, uh, and and likewise, smoking mm. doesn't affect you immediately. And drinking doesn't affect you immediately, uh, but it does catch up with you mm-hmm. and it catches up with the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's uh, much more prevalent in uh, the over 55s. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really sad because that number's coming down. Oh, really? Um, because we all eat McDonald's too much and eat fast food and we live a stressful life. Mm-hmm. And, and because we live a stressful life, we turn to gin. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's precisely. a vicious cycle, yeah. isn't it? So, if you're not sleeping enough, if you're not, um, if you're too stressed, then you're craving all of those foods that your heart doesn't need. Yeah, but there are causes of heart failure which could occur quite young. It's not uh, specifically. So the majority, the the vast majority, are in elderly mm. uh, to older cohorts, but that, but. Uh, so one cause can be an infection, uh, just a viral infection can mm. cause uh, a cardiomyopathy or a heart failure. Which, of course, there has been links with COVID and yeah. heart issues, both with getting COVID and with vaccines. But because yeah. it's part of the COVID, um, res- the response of the body to COVID. Mm. There's some very interesting research going on by uh, a brilliant young scientist who sits behind me and she at the start of the pandemic, reorganized and reorientated her entire research to look at uh, the effect of COVID mm. 
on the heart and how COVID patients' uh, hearts are affected by by the virus. And I mm. think it, she's uh, found some really interesting stuff. Mm. Uh, but that's really cutting edge. Again, yeah. we don't know. We know so little about COVID and mm -hmm. the fight is we must stop COVID now and then the long-term uh, effects we will look at mm. when mm. we get the time. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, it's uh, her results are promising and, and they're good and uh, uh, I don't want to spread any misinformation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's nothing to do with vaccines or anything, <laughs> um, but it's... Yeah, it's just interesting how all these things can affect the heart. Things you don't think about um, mm. can affect the heart. Mm. And as you said earlier, and I don't know this specifically, I think I saw this on an episode of Scrubs, <laughs> but I'm fairly certain that you can have heart failure from emotional damage. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but, uh, but I only heard that on an episode of Scrubs. I haven't come well, across that. I I heard it on Radio 4, which is oh, kind of like Scrubs. Oh, darling, I'm... Radio 4. We've got Scrubs, Grey's Anatomy, and then you go, well, I was listening to Radio, Radio 4. 4. Oh, honestly. <laughs> but I think I remember hearing something a while back that was showing some research that they were saying that actually there could be, and mainly in women, not men. Uh... But we'd have to look it up again to know the proper stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the fact that you also research, you know, really weighty tomes like Scrubs as well as your research papers and things. <laughs> exactly. It's Scrubs on one laptop, the New England Journal of Medicine on the other laptop. Uh, that's, how that's how research is done. That's perhaps, a, that's perhaps a too accurate insight into how research is done. <laughs> love it. But it is interesting because a lot of the different types of heart failure are sex specific. So uh, the uh, a heart failure where the, the heart becomes stiffer and is unable to relax as much is much more prevalent in uh, females mm -hmm. uh, than males. And in and heart failure where uh, the heart is uh, unable to pump enough out. Uh, with the with the right contraction strength, it's much more prevalent in males, mm -hmm. uh, and there's currently a lively debate. Yeah. I think it's called in the field as to as to why this might be. There is some interesting research, but essentially, we're looking into it. We'll get back to you <laughs> when we find out. We know it, it. We know it is. We don't know why it is. Yeah. And um, when we find that out, we will do another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also in some in some case it must just be a case of that's really interesting but who cares we just know it is and therefore we can yes, deal there with is, yeah that yes there is an element of that um, and what we're finding at the moment in in heart failure uh, research is that we know a lot about what happens when patients come to the hospital with heart failure mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know very much about what happens. 30 years beforehand when mm. heart failure begins mm. because of course they're completely asymptomatic mm -hmm. they don't show any signs or symptoms and uh, no medical body in the world is going to let me wander around find a bunch of healthy people 
and go, ah, oh, can I take a biopsy from your heart, please? And then in 30 years' time, will you let me know if you have heart failure or not and I can see if it correlates? But if so I say, it, yeah, go ahead and do that to my heart, can they stop you? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah. I think it's the, it's the asking that's that's the difference. I wasn't asked. I just said, "Hey, you can. I'll sign a bit of paper. Go ahead." Yeah. So yeah, the ethics board might frown on that if I submitted it uh, to that. So uh, yeah. So at the moment, we're trying to come up with uh, novel ways of investigating mm. this on a long term basis uh, using epidemiological studies mm-hmm. that already mm-hmm. exist, mm. but also trying to come up with. Uh, Animal models. Yeah. Uh, so another controversial topic. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Animal research. Um, there is an animal we have a scarily similar heart to, and I'm trying to remember which animal it was. That was another long ago biology lesson. I may have to Google that later. I don't know. Do you know, Stephen? So it's it's the pig. Ah, the don't pig. Uh, yeah. The, the pig heart is is nearly identical, with the exception there are some changes because. Our hearts are designed to be vertical and the pig heart is designed to be horizontal. And as well and, as and doing the bypass on a minion, we got to feel a pig heart. Um, obviously in plastic. Yeah, yeah. But to look at and handle a pig heart, that, yeah, interesting. Do you reckon that's why in that Doctor episode, the Daleks in Manhattan, they turned us into pig people? Because mm, the hearts possibly. Were... I'll ask Rusty Davis if I get to meet him. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a little side listening? thought that. If happened. you're listening, oh listen. my god, don't even joke about that, Sarah. <laughs> you know not to. <sighs> well, there's a there's that Winston Churchill quote that uh, cats look down on you and dogs look up at you, but pigs will always treat you as an equal. That's right, which I quite like. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I love a pig, and they like to play football and fetch. I, I'd yeah, like, I I'd forgot like how pig. much you love pigs. I'm love really sorry pig. I started this because Sarah's <laughs> now just going to spend the whole time going on about so pigs. Can we just talk about the controversial animal a yeah. little? Yes, of course. Because is it an ethical thing that as like Anya couldn't walk in and go, go on, then you can take a biopsy of my heart, that therefore we can study animals like pigs where the heart is quite similar to us and it's easier to study that than to try and get around the ethics of studying on humans? Or are there so, more complex and more interesting reasons why? So, so the ethical concern is is definitely one thing, um, but we have obviously have a lot of ethical concerns with the animals as well. We don't test willy nilly, and we certainly don't test things like lipstick on them. We we have to go through stringent guidelines. Although a pig does look good in lipstick, Sarah Cruz it does look good. <laughs> yeah, lipstick, a bit of blusher, and an ear piercing. Spot on. <laughs> Um, uh, they're, they're, as an aside, they used to use pigs as advertisement for tattoo shops because they would tattoo on the pig because it's all skin, and then put the pig outside the tattoo shop. Um, oh no, that may that's be apocrypha. Not okay. I'm not a tattoo historian, um, but I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I'd protest um, that one. Yes, yeah, I would protest that, and I would protest people putting lipstick on things. Yeah, in, yeah. I am. I am yeah. very pro. Uh, animals in research providing it's done under strict ethical guidelines and and uh, universities are very good at i most of my work is or a lot of my time is spent doing paperwork mm-hmm. to make sure that the animals my, that my experiments 
uh, the small amount of animal experiments I do meet ethical approval. Mm. And before I even think about it, I have to submit them to the university. They nearly, they always come back with, no, we think you can do it without these animals. Mm. It's not okay. Reduce the amount of animals you're using. Mm. Uh, plan some different experiments. Come back to us when you thought about this properly. Mm. And uh, and I think that's absolutely fine. I never find that annoying. Yeah. I think it's great that mm. researchers mm. should be thinking about this. Mm. Um, but one good reason for using the animal models we do is they're much faster. Yeah. Even if we were able to get samples, uh, human samples, for example, uh, we would have to wait 30 years to even see if any of them got heart failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in an animal, we can induce heart failure to happen within, within a few weeks. Mm. Oh, wow. And so That we is can, a we big can... difference when you look at being able to create... Um, changes and being able to create medical procedures that will save lives in those 30 years there'd be a lot of people that would have been affected through the heart failure that could have been helped by doing the research in a quicker time on the pigs precisely Mm. um and and we always try and use uh as few animals as possible while using the correct amount of animals to make the experiments worthwhile Mm. and we always try and use uh the right animal for the job so a lot a lot of our research is done on on mice mm. um and and then anything that's a, a, a major discovery will be moved into a, a into a pig model mm. and then it's norm and then from there it's normally if it's so interesting will be picked up by pharmaceutical companies mm. uh, and things like that so mm. I, I just thinking about the the question that we have of what actually happens to the heart to cause it to fail what are all those different happenings? All thousands of them. And a damaging event is, is one cause of heart failure, but there are, there are, there are hundreds more. Uh, a viral infection can lead to a heart failure. Um, and uh, yeah, as we discussed, and, and things like um, just age over time eventually will lead to a heart failure. Mm. Uh, but... Um, what we're currently working on at the moment is is trying to underpin exactly what goes on in the heart mm. when heart failure mm. starts so that we can really work out what mm. if there is I'm, I don't think there will ever be one cause of heart failure but there might be four or five underlying mechanisms mm. uh and so it's things like uh at the moment um as a lot of, when the the initial damage starts in the heart uh, a lot of patients have uh other conditions like mm-hmm. they're obese they have diabetes they have high blood pressure uh chronic kidney disease that's quite a long list yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so I was going to talk about as well ms uh with the muscle wastage and whether would that eventually end up affecting your heart too because of it being Oh, I don't know that. Ooh. That's a very interesting question. Oh, excellent. I Would love that. MS with the muscle wastage eventually get to the heart? Oh, I don't know. That's a great question. <gasps> yeah, yeah, I did it. I did a great question. I'm so proud of myself. We'll leave you with that question. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, that's a, that an <laughs> extra shot later. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, come and tell us the answer. Yeah. Uh, but these conditions all often are quite sort of pro-inflammatory mm. uh, so when the body suffers uh, invaders a, a virus or a, or a, or a bacteria it release it, it turns its immune system 
to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, and and this is great; it does a good job at it. Mm. Uh, but sometimes uh, it can the immune system can be a bit dysregulated, mm-hmm. and this pro this inflammatory response in response to damage or an invader uh, can actually exacerbate existing problems mm. uh, and we, it, what the current one of the current hypotheses is hypotheses uh i should know that word um one of the current thoughts on how <laughs> nice. uh heart failure we always uh, like plain english anyway yeah. you know much yeah. better Make thoughts it, yeah. much better than hypothesis scientists don't know the meaning of half the words they use anyway it just <laughs> it just makes us sound fancy um uh, one of the current thoughts is that this sort of inflammatory environment that caused by these conditions uh triggers damage mm. to the heart on a very small scale which you don't notice or feel or isn't measurable initially Mm. but will eventually progress to heart failure Mm. um and there's another school of thought that suggests that that in fact the blood vessels are initially uh damaged and the inflammation is is sort of secondary to that Mm. Uh, so it's really at the moment really teasing out these these chemical cascades Mm. the question of what what cell comes first in the heart when it's damaged and uh, like a, almost like a, uh, a murder mystery. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like who was here at the right time oh, to cause the problems. Now I'm invested. Now I want to do the research. <laughs> the minute it becomes a murder mystery, I'm there. I've got a little a bit of a mystery. clue day for the heart. And the idea being that if you can find that one moment, one cell that was involved, then you can do something about it or just because it's really interesting to know no the no the idea is very much if we know what triggers it or if we know at least what triggers it in some patients in mm. some cases we will be able to stop it or better prevent it mm. um and 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 that is the idea because uh, one of the things that i heard and that's just triggered Probably in my mind no it wasn't it was by another researcher oh, okay. um and she was saying about um the a difficult childbirth then being um as in having a baby and and having problems in childbirth then meaning that you were more susceptible to heart problems later on and that by knowing that if you've had a really difficult childbirth a difficult labor that then you need to be more conscious of being good to your heart all the way through the rest of your life because yeah. then when you're an old person... Pregnancy and labour is just trauma waiting <laughs> to happen. I keep saying it. <laughs> well, here it is. It's trauma on the heart. But okay. that by knowing that, then you can be more um, uh, careful about your lifestyle to prevent those triggers and the heart failure eventually. So you have a kid, eventually. then you have to stop drinking, you have to stop having your fry-ups you enjoy. No, I mean, honestly. No, because if you have a kid and you don't have a traumatic labour, you're I fine. I like having fun with these things and shitting all over children. Not literally. Let's <laughs> no, <laughs> not literally. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving back. away yeah. from them. <laughs> but yeah, it is another reason to put you off having kids because yeah. you can't... You can't decide whether you're going to have a good labour or not. But anyway, um, yeah, so is is it then that if you know that kind of thing, then you know that you can plan 
Yeah, so there's it's a bit of that. Um, and there are also people who are genetically predisposed to, to heart failure. Mm. Uh, and they also normally know about it because they will have experienced quite a lot of heart-based tragedy in their life and mm. uh, and their doctor will, will get them checked or if you yeah if you have a history of heart failure in 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 the family then the doctors rec- will recommend that you're very careful with with your diet and and such but frankly we should all be a little bit more certainly i should be a little bit more careful uh with my diet and and well i do a fair amount of exercise i just don't eat very well um but it it's it, awareness yeah, so, i think is one of the most yeah. important steps <laughs> It's awareness, and uh, but the the goal at the moment is is trying to sort of find uh, pathways and targets for drugs that will yeah. help us stop it for people who aren't going to change their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, if somebody said to you tomorrow, oh, Sarah, no, I don't. You're want to not do allowed to drink alcohol anymore. I don't want to ever, do it. Would you be able to do it? No, exactly. But I could do some of it in moderation. Yeah. So (laughs) I think that's one of my take-home messages whenever I talk to anybody is everything in moderation. Yeah. Like it's it's never a problem to drink or have a gin and tonic, Mm -hmm. but just don't have five every day. Um, What about seven a week when we're doing a mass load of recordings (laughs) yeah we'll brush over that yeah when we're like "Mm, we're recording every day that's not healthy but okay yeah well maybe detox afterwards no Uh, it's it's all uh, it's it's about life it's all about lifestyle changes for me like it's it's not possible for someone to just go at the moment i i trying to detox off caffeine for mm. reasons that are dull and I won't bore you with, but it's, it, it, they're not incredibly consequential reasons. And so it's like, yeah, how long is this going to last before I go straight back to my four <laughs> coffees a day? Uh, four. Which, which is not, a, not an acceptable habit. Whereas if I'd been more sensible and I'd gone, right, we're just going to stick to two coffees a day or mm. even one coffee a day, you're allowed some coffee. That's a much more usable Mm-hmm. lifestyle change yeah. like because it's it's much more long it's got much more longevity because mm. uh, i'm gonna fail at, at not yeah. drinking coffee yeah um but if you just eat healthily once more a week mm-hmm. it's better it's a start and you know if you just uh for, like try not to drink monday to thursday um that's what we do. That's what we do apart from when we're recording. Apart from when we're recording. <laughs> or yeah. we're on holiday. Or, or it's someone's things. birthday. But most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Most of the yeah. time. That sounds like my reasoning. That's exactly yeah. what I do. <laughs> and it, it it is hard, as you said, that heart failure happens over a really, really long period of time. So it's only when you're at whatever age and stage in life that you've had that heart failure that you could go, I wish I knew then what I know now. Exactly. But the answer is you kind of did, but you didn't really, it's not important enough then to change it. Yeah. Yes, because I think the majority of people by now know that eating healthily and exercising enough is 
beneficial for the heart or at least beneficial for health but yeah and that, yeah just i always sound like someone that bangs on about it but i just just small changes just mm-hmm. very little small changes mm-hmm. um are key because it is crucial and it will prevention is the easiest way to treat this like yeah i i it's one of these weird things i genuinely love it if i didn't have to go to work and i was made redundant because heart failure was not a thing we could cure the majority of heart failure simply by changing our lifestyle Mm -hmm. like there are some that are unavoidable and that is unfortunate but that is why we would still be researching small amounts of it but Mm -hmm. Uh, they tend to actually be ones that have more specific cures already because we know that they have a specific trigger Mm. such Mm. as an infection or 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 specific damage but if yeah the the more general uh the more general heart failure that's that's induced by uh, metabolic syndrome obesity high blood pressure uh that they are often preventable Mm. and certainly the ones that are for people who are 55 uh, mm. and uh, early age heart failure mm. uh, is nearly all is it's very often lifestyle induced mm. uh, and and it's all preventable and mm. and by a few yeah by a few changes yeah i might be out of a job but wouldn't that be great mm. like <laughs> i'll find something else to do i, I don't know what but <laughs> <laughs> And so what do you think, what, what's the future then for heart health in medical sense? Because when you were talking about, um, you know, being able to look at the heart at much like a baby, I was thinking, well, could you then have like heart checkups where you're measuring thickness of the walls and you're measuring all of that to see sort of heart failure? So um, obviously it would be quite I would assume it's quite expensive at the moment, but technology moves really, really fast. Is that something you could see as being affordable and regular? What's yeah, the I future hold? That, actually, it's a good idea. Um, oh well, there you go. I will well, start that. That's yeah. that. So, um, yeah. I'll pitch that. To, I'll yep. pitch that to the funding good bodies. Is my idea. And um, when you do, please um, talk about Simon, and then we've both been included. It'll be I'm the happy. Simon method. <laughs> Method, perfect. <laughs> exactly, uh, but the yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so I I would hope that regular screening of hearts becomes less necessary as we move very slowly towards a more healthy lifestyle. Partly because it's better for our health, but actually mostly because I think the planet's going to require it. Hmm. Um, and uh, and so ideally that it will become less of a burden. I think that uh, part of what we also do looking at the very early stages is to try and find chemicals, which we would call a biomarker, Mm. um, uh, which would identify, say, damage or stress on the heart, Mm. which could be used just from a blood sample. Mm. A routine blood sample would identify that you had this chemical was higher and you are at risk. And so this would flag you for checkups. Mm. Uh, which would then mean that the cost is significantly less on the medical mm. uh, system. Um, so that's another avenue of research, which I think will yeah. uh, really yeah. help in our fight against heart failure because it's 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 all about prevention and our early identification. Yeah, yeah. And if you identified it early, you 
then have a, a, the impetus to change your exactly. gin if drinking you... <laughs> um, to reduce then the maybe not reduce the maybe not stop the progression of the heart failure but reduce its severity but if you can slow it down yeah if you get heart if you're on course to get heart failure when you're 65 if you can slow it down by 10 years yeah which uh, by changing your lifestyle very very slightly then you're on course to get heart failure at 75 that's a lot of that's a big difference Mm. right Mm. that's a gigantic difference and if you could slow it down even further so that you're getting it at 85 Mm. then and no further because no i'm done by then (laughs) yeah Yeah. by then i've seen enough yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely we don't want to go on forever oh no oh it'd be exhausting I'm tired and I'm not even 22. <laughs> Eventually you run out of different gins to try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. totally. Oh, God, couldn't have that. Could you imagine? Couldn't do that. No. no. Well, you well, go back to the beginning. Yeah. Start again. Start again. Taste buds might have changed. <laughs> it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I, I hope I've made some sense and... Haven't been too technical. No, you've been brilliant. I actually understood everything and I'm really proud of myself for understanding. So thank you. <laughs> Good. I think we've got a great grasp of the heart basics now. And I'm going to take back to my lab and I'm going to name all the different parts of the heart. Yes. Uh, so so then I'm going to force all my colleagues to call every bit of the heart different names. Oh, I'm so Simon. pleased. I'm so pleased. <laughs> Okay, debrief, debrief. Gin, I love it. You hate it. I hate it, but I love the fact you've had yours mm-hmm. and mine. I really like it. You don't like it, no. which is great because you I can, can drink it. loads of it. I'm going to give some to your dad. I do like Simon. <laughs> I've named it. <laughs> so top right. Top right. Top right, Simon. Simon. Yeah. Making sure everything's going at the right speed. Again, I'm doing the hand Doing those whole electrical impulses. It's podcast. It yeah. is. It is, but it helps. And we've learned the difference between a heart attack and heart failure. Absolutely. One tends to cause the other. And we've learned all about the factors that can go into heart failure. And heart failure can be caused by many, many things. Many, many things. But the predominance is lifestyle. lifestyle. Mm. And which is why heart failure is on the increase. Yes. Um... And therefore, we need to change our lifestyles. And that's really hard when everything is so tempting and in reach. If I just gym enough to balance it out, though. I think that's another podcast because I don't know where the balance is. Well, get a PT on here. Well, we will. And let's do it. I think we should. I think we should because it is about that balance. Yeah. But it is really hard. And like, you know, we've heard in preview podcasts it is all about that sort of privilege of time and Mm -hmm. money and knowledge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but yeah so many different causes and the fact that they've got all these amazing researchers looking at those triggers if you can find the trigger and you could screen to find when there's suddenly that red flag that goes "Uh -uh." Mm -hmm, mm uh-uh okay you're now possibly stretching that heart, not literally no. stretching it. That'd Some interesting weird. hand movements going yeah. on there, though, Sarah. Weird. Do you want to wrap this Freaking up now? Because you're going on a weird yeah. tangent. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that if yeah. you could find that trigger and then know that actually you could slow your heart failure down. Yeah. 
live a bit longer. If you want to. If you want to. (laughs) Or just have hot dogs and gin and not bother. Yeah. Hearts, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pigs are pretty cool. Not with lipstick. Definitely not with tattoos. No. And there we are. I hope you enjoyed that little episode. You got to the end, so hopefully you did. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) If you'd like more content from us, you can follow us on Instagram. You can. And you'll also find our chief gin taster, the gin monkey, with tasting notes of all the gins that we're tasting in the series. Go on to Instagram, so it's worth following. Yeah, yeah. Topic gin. Topic gin. Same on Twitter. Same on Twitter. Send us a little tweet. Yeah, we're on Facebook too. Topic gin, keeping it all nice and simple. And you can email us. You can, if you want, at hello at ginandtopic.com. If you click subscribe as well, that would be really handy. Reviews, tell people. Stuff for you to do. And we'll be back next week with another episode. I know. And another guest. And another gin. Yay. And don't forget to join me and Emma in our new tasting room on Sunday and she can tell us all about the gin.